0: Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel and it's hosted by Ben Lecker, where he gets a bunch of writers and he asks them lots of questions and it's starting now so this will be the end of
1: the theme. This is it. We're doing it. All right. It's, uh, it's totally the same as before we started doing it. I don't... Yeah. There's, there's a real method to this. I, I lull you <laughs> into conversation because uh, we're really going to get you to open up this time around. When we did our three-hour session in San Francisco uh-huh. like years ago... That could still be going on as far as I know. Maybe. I think Acker is still up there. (laughs) Guys, Adam Rogers is back, our old friend who, when we last had him on the podcast or he had us on his podcast, we talked about um, it was the Wired Magazine crossover. Right. And we talked a little bit because you were just kind of getting rolling on it on this book about the science and history of alcohol. Right. And you were deep in research, as I recall. Yes. And panicked. Um, and panicked. <laughs> um, yeah, where I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think I had the contract. Like, I knew I was right. writing it. The book was actually happening. Yes. But and you was, weren't even, like, breaking down. You didn't even have a structure. You didn't know. You well, were just I kind had kind of culling. Yeah, I mean, I had the structure from mm-hmm. the proposal because I had to oh, give right. them an outline. That's right.
0: And uh, give the publisher an outline. And... And that stayed the structure. I mean, that was really that was the key that unlocked me being a, me feeling like I was going to be able to write a book. It was like, okay, well, I sort of know I can organize the reporting now, but I was just starting the reporting. I don't think I traveled yet, um, and I was yeah, that's right. and I was uh, freaking right the hell out because um, I was worried that it was
1: going to be super hard, and it turned out that I was right. <laughs> what is? The hardest thing about writing a book, like never, been, not even a book like this, but writing a book.
0: Dude. Well, it's my first one, yeah. so I could change. This opinion could change, Absolutely. and other you know, more uh, more experienced writers might say something different.
1: But you, all, In, I, it, let me just interrupt for that because you have written, obviously, as a journal a journalist, and you've edited as a journalist, right? Um, so it's not like you're like a guy who's like, I'm gonna write a book. I think. Yeah. So I I came to this, to the, I came to the
0: project with. You know, 15 to 20 years of magazine experience, magazine journalism experience. Like, that's what I've been doing. And I've written online and I've written for TV a little bit for the the show that Wired had. But primarily, you know, print or at least, you know, words uh, between 200 words and 4,000 words, basically, (laughs) was the space that I had lived in. Um, So I knew how to do that. Ish, uh, and you—you you had been doing. I had that. done that. It had—it had been done. It would, I suppose, the, the passive voice finally finds a use, rears its ugly head. Um, but the hardest part, I think, the first hardest part, proved to be ass in chair. Mm-hmm. It's like sit down and type, man. You gotta write. You gotta write this stuff. You gotta get it onto the screen, and it's eighty-five thousand words. So I think my first draft was probably. Might have brushed up against a hundred, and we knew that was way too yeah. long. But that was the, the first draft, and uh, and then the the second part being, once I had a draft that I was like, this is as much of any this is as much of a, a book as I can make, then getting the feedback on it and mm-hmm. having the editor say basically like, okay, well, good start, <sighs> oh, you know, here <laughs> we go, and I I knew. Um, you know, when you turn in a first draft to an editor, to a supervisor, whoever your writing mm-hmm. supervisor is, that's always the beginning of the journey, right? Uh, and I, I knew that. Yeah, and I thought I had internalized that better than I had. I mean, that turned out to be to be really uh, a few weeks of pretty dark times. Yeah,
1: that's really interesting. I mean, like having been on both sides of that, right? And having again, like you say, you you should know that this is the beginning of the journey. But when when you get notes, when you get Like this is a good start, which I have no doubt it was. I'm sure it was all of the information that you thought needed to be there, uh, and written in the way you thought it ought to be. Um, What happens? How do you how do you flip your brain into editing mode? Because that's a very different mode from writing. Yeah, and I would uh, there
0: were (laughs) that was the move that I had to make. My editor uh, is a very good book editor, Mm -hmm. and she identified she correctly identified problems. You know. Um, but yeah, that was the, the, the bit flip that I had to make was to, to become an editor of myself in, in a way that I guess I, I mean, looking back, I guess I'd never been, I don't know, like I thought I had, but it really did take me two weeks, at least two weeks of staring at it really in despair, like really thinking like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. This what? is as much as I knew how to do. And then finally, finally, some f- just looking at it long enough, I was finally able to just be like, oh, well, this leads terrible. And then as soon as that happened, then it was just all like, oh, okay, well, now we're just editing. Interesting. Now it's editing.
1: Because I find, and this is a part of writing, and it's it happens in every piece of writing that goes into any popular format. That we haven't really explored, because it's, it's a weird time. It's not the, the despair of sitting down to write. Right, different it's, despair. Is it, that's a different... This yes, is the despair point. of collaboration. It kind of is. Yeah. And I know, you know, like when we are given, when Ben and I are given notes on a script or something, the way in for me is to do the cosmetic stuff, right? It's like I can make these little changes, I can fix these things that are easy to fix, I can tweak a line, whatever it is, because I sure. don't have to take apart a scene, because that's when it starts to get hard, or I have to take a part an act, and that's really hard. So, I mean, your structure was theoretically sound going in, because you're yes. coming off of an outline. Yes, and and she thought
0: the structure was fine. It was mm-hmm. just they were individual chapters, probably four out of eight of the critical ones. There's an introduction and conclusion mm-hmm. in eight chapters. Ten gets you to roughly the amount of words you want to get to, but... Um, but I, I will say too, by the way, that in the process of coming up with this structure and working on it, like r- really like listening to the writer's podcast and thinking about structure in a different oh, wow. way was really helpful. Oh, Just thanks. as like, oh, remember that there is a structure that you were trying to match and it's, and hmm. it is, there's a, there are mechanisms that you're using to do a thing, um, was, uh, a lesson I kept having to teach myself or learn. So the, the writer's podcast was really helpful. Oh, that's in amazing. That.
1: Thank you. Um, so Maybe I, I should listen to <laughs> them.
0: They're, they're great. Have you heard these? I have not. I'll send you a link. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, they're, they're, uh, so, so to get back, you know, like five out of eight of the chapters or whatever, the note essentially being like, it's not a chapter. Hmm. You know, this isn't structured like a chapter. The Or even worse, the um, the chapter on aging, on on mm-hmm. maturation of spirits, you know, putting stuff in a barrel and letting it sit. Is mostly based on the magazine article that was the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Is the the mysterious fungus that lives on whiskey fumes that became the That's genesis. So
1: There's a great mystery in that yeah. chapter, which uh, such a, a smart thing to hang it on,
0: right? And so, and, and I, you know, I built that on purpose as a mystery story, yeah. and it worked pretty well for in, a, in a magazine feature. And I built it into this chapter, and, and and my editor's notes included this bit about like that chapter works really well. <laughs> That one, you know, I'm like, oh, that one that we that we bled and died over at the magazine already that like five other editors have worked over to within an inch of its life. That one's working. Good. OK, good. Glad that's glad that's working. Um, so let's look at these other ones that you're the first human being to see Aww. besides me, because um, those maybe aren't as uh, aren't as solid. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and it and and so it's a weird place because you trust the process. I mean, I decided I was going to trust mm-hmm. the process. And decided I'm going to trust my editor. Not that that was hard to do or anything. Sure. Just like you just say, like I'm not going to be the kind of I'm not going to be diva-ish about this. Right. It needs work. You're the person who knows how to make books.
1: I've never done it before. Let's make a and book together. You know yourself well enough as a person and a writer to know I. I don't. I'm not going to get this on the first try, and I I don't know everything basically. And
0: when her her edit memo comes back and says like, look, you know, it doesn't really you didn't you you say this thing here, but you don't set that up, and you and you Mm -hmm. you know, there's no thesis here, so we don't understand why we need to learn this, and you tell this story, but that takes a really long time, all these things are like, right, right, yeah, that's true, uh huh, yep, good, good point, yeah, right, sure, okay, (laughs) got it, yeah, uh huh, uh -huh. nope, don't know how to do that, not a clue. Hmm. Like I was really depressed. Um, and, uh, my understanding is that that happens. Sure. I, 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 um, one of the nice things about this process was that a lot of other writers who'd been through it already were really kind, hmm. uh, and helpful and thoughtful while I was doing it in ways that I was really surprised at. Um, just like, wow, these people are being really nice mm-hmm. to me and I didn't know that they would be. Um,
1: well, there's something too, and you know, this is a bit of a tangent, but, Writers like to have the club of writers, sure. You know, and we—I think other writers are the only ones who can feel that same thing. You know, I've been—I've you know? think, been thinking about it a lot
0: with a weightlifting metaphor. Not mm-hmm. that I'm a gym rat or anything, but um, as you can tell. Uh, but uh, when I when I was when I was at Newsweek, I started Newsweek as a reporter, and one of the stories that I did early on was about um, the science of the Olympics, the science of sport. Story. And, uh, and I, I did a piece on, um, on the mental state of an elite mm-hmm. athlete. And uh, one of the coaches I talked to said that they'd use a lot of visualization because in weightlifting, especially, you're going to go out and try to lift an amount of weight that you've never lifted before. So you don't know what it feels like. You're going to try to do a thing that you've literally never done before. Right. So you can sort of practice for that, but you have to imagine what the lift is like. Mm. And I think similarly with writing, you can describe what it feels like to lift a heavy weight. But if you're talking to somebody who's also lifted that weight, then they they know what that is. And and I think to having now written a book, like I know what the weight feels like. Mm-hmm. The idea of writing another one doesn't terrify me in the same way as this one terrified me. It terrifies me in all new
1: ways, but not that particular right. one. Um, let me let me interrupt for a moment and say that that metaphor, this is for the listener, that metaphor that Adam just gave you. <laughs> the book is this is how the book is written. Oh. Like, it is so in your voice. And this is. A, listen, first of all, get the book. The book is called Proof. We haven't even said that yet. Right. Proof, The Science of Booze. Yes. It is available. It is available and it is great. Thank and you. it is so, you know, you may be scared off by science, as I am. Like, I am pretty dumb. And <laughs> that's that is a That is a trolley <laughs> lie. You should be ashamed no, of yourself. I, I have uh, trouble keeping concepts in my head. I'm not. I'm out of practice as a reader. It's, <laughs> I've talked about this recently on the podcast. I'm not proud of it. But the book is written in such a way where you have these weightlifting metaphors that help us understand the science that you're trying to explain uh, and are succeeding in explaining. Um, so I would urge anyone who understood that metaphor as applied to writing <laughs> to pick up this book because it's full of that stuff, uh, that very, like, in many ways it's hand yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's science writing. You, you, that's, that's the, that, I, I mean, the way I was
0: trained. That is the, mm-hmm. That's the art of it.
1: But it's, I, And I will say there's an art to it. I mean, you, you do this so expertly. And I will tell you, I will admit this to you, you know, because Adam and I are friends. And I, I saw you a few months ago on this JoCo cruise. Mm-hmm. And we were with people who didn't know you very well. And I walked away with Todd Cooper <laughs> saying, yes. that guy's great. He explains something to me and he makes and when I understand it, he makes it seem like I explained it to him well that's the that's the, the best magazine writers do that, and I wish I was better at that.: We're well, it in conversation anyway no uh, where you, they, they make you, you, you come in and you're like, right, that's a thing I already knew. I totally already knew that yeah. That's exactly uh, it, and and honestly, that's how the book makes you feel going through it. Is like I obviously I came in knowing very little about this. I like alcohol, sure. I know the minimum I need to know about you know what what is enjoyable about it and you know how it's made, um, but to get into the real nuts and bolts of it and the oftentimes literal dirt of it, right. um, again, it's it made it, it, it was understandable in a way as if I had al- always understood it. I'm glad um, that is, that was the point. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to talk about this again, this right. tackling the rewrite. So, uh,
0: yes. So I, um, uh, I was talking about the kindness that a lot of other yes. writers showed me. Well, um, uh, a writer who writes a lot for, um, for wired came in for his, he was having a, a book event mm-hmm. at wired and, uh, it, the, it's, it was a book about hijacking. Hijacking's in the '70s. The skies belong right. to us. Um, it's, a re, it's a really good book. Um, cool. And uh, and I was say, I said congratulations, and I'm I'm really happy for your success. And I said I'm really jealous, you know, because because I I'm not there, right. you know, and I just and right now I just don't feel like I'm going to be, you know. Wow. And he said uh, he said, well, where are you? What's going on? I said, well, I just got the edits back. And he said, oh yeah they're dark times man and that was it that was all and wow. and it was like oh you know you're not the first person you know it's <laughs> right. not you're not the only person this right. they're dark for everybody that helped a lot um just that simple little little sure. bit of like you it's you know they're dark times they're supposed to be dark times um Absolutely. and and they, it's in many ways starting from scratch although it's not starting from scratch yeah it's like i mean for me it really was i feel as though i have given every ounce of my effort and ability
1: yeah
0: and to find out to to hear that that was not enough was really it was really hard mm-hmm. and i i look this is in some well it's a writer's podcast so I mean, you know we all know what level of whining exactly. is. it's <laughs> like it's not like someone was hitting me with a shovel <laughs> while this was going on you know i wasn't lashed to a mast right. while this was happening you know i was sitting at a desk <laughs> right um staring at a screen Uh, but
1: what was on the screen wasn't working. Well, and that's that's what it is, right? It's a very specific kind of misery that you're like, yes, I get it. Things are good. Yeah. But this is a miserable experience. Um, I'm curious about, specifically, you know, when when the editor comes back and says, this is not a chapter, this doesn't feel like a chapter, or it doesn't have the structure of a chapter, what did that mean, if you can remember back to that time? Yeah, I mean, I blocked out a lot
0: of it, obviously. But but, uh, it was... What I didn't know, or what I, what I didn't know enough, what I hadn't internalized mm. enough, was that every chapter has to be a self-contained unit with a lead and a kicker, beginning mm. and end. It has to have a narrative arc, and you're going to hang pieces off that narrative arc. In the same way that you might with a feature for a magazine, with a feature story for a magazine, sure. a, a critical difference being that, as I said, I had lived mostly in the world of four thousand words, you know, plus or minus, right. So the, my chapters are in the book are about 8000 words. Mm-hmm. It was like, well that's a whole different thing. That's the difference that's going, you know, that's like just because you know how to write a half hour does not let you know how to write a feature film, sure. right? Like they're structurally different. They they require different timing. They require different moves and they were moves that I wasn't making. Mm-hmm. Um and I hadn't and I hadn't shaped I hadn't shaped the chapters well enough. They hadn't there were the 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 way that you got into the chapter didn't tell you anything about how you were going to get out of the chapter. Which was stupid to me because that's the first thing that I'm telling my writers. Right? Is right. like, listen, it'd be great if your kicker could evoke the lead because right. it makes readers think that
1: you knew what you were gonna <laughs> do, you know, even though we know that we right. didn't. But um, in approaching a longer piece, I can see where it wouldn't be the first thing you come to mind.
0: And also because I was doing I was doing something in the book that I would always warn writers off of which is that the the book is very survey it cover is and it's discursive mm-hmm. it covers a lot of different stuff and it goes in different directions and 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 the, some of the transitions some of the section breaks are have a little bit of the vibe of like mm-hmm. actually let me stop for a second yes. i just want to tell you this other cool story <laughs> you know almost om- that's almost the transition is like yeah. actually that reminds me of something really cool and and i you know i don't think i did
1: that <laughs> so oof, i hope i got all those out um but they do have i mean and and Again, the book is not conversational, but it feels like a conversation. Yeah, you know, and and that's why those chapter breaks do feel like—I guess they're not chapter breaks, but they're within the, chapter right. The breaks. little the
0: little section breaks, yeah.
1: which I use a lot of in the in magazine writing mm-hmm. too. As
0: just a like, oh, of course, take a, take a beat, yeah. We're gonna do something else for a second. But then I was doing this thing with like, and then I'll come back to that thing I was just talking about. Sure. And then we'll take a beat and do something else. And then I'll come back again and trying to make that work over eight thousand words. Right. And it had and it hadn't in, in a lot of chapters it just it just wasn't. One of the ones I mean there's a chapter on smell and taste mm-hmm. and the science of how we smell and taste things. Fascinating science. It's not completely worked out. It's very exciting and it's and it has a lot of um has neurobiology and metaphor. You know it has it, it extends <laughs> sure. across human experience. And um and I I had written I think the chapter that I kicked in was I basically sort of threw up my hands because it was probably uh 15,000 words or something and 6,000 of them were just like me so far in my head going like listen I think I basically just have to talk about smell and taste for a little while here. Mm-hmm. And so let's do that. Yeah, let me get this out. Yeah. And and it was like six thousand words, and I showed it to I I'd, I'd shown it to a, a friend, another a journalist who I kind of grew up with, um, and uh, and he said the same thing my editor did, which is like, well,
1: you know, you're just gonna have to cut all that, right? Like that's just not, you can't. No, Like, <laughs> you can't do that. But do you do you cull that stuff and say what needs to be here, or do you just say that that was clearly all warm up for me? I needed to get that out of my system before I could get into the actual story that takes place in this chapter.
0: Well, what it, what it ended up, what lived on from that huge, you know, that vast amount of writing was, a, was the very core of the science. Hmm. And one, because what I realized was all I really wanted to do was to get to one specific thing to be able to say. And I finally kind of decided like, well, I'm
1: just going to say it yeah. and hope that at this point everyone will come along with me. Right, because it was a later chapter. Right, it's deeper into the book, and the arc because there's also that aspect. You're not just writing an eight thousand word essay. There's a serialization to it. You have to have momentum to these things. That's right, and that's why the the structure,
0: you know, the structure lived. The structure was a powerful thing. Being able mm-hmm. to being able to go back to the outline again and again, um, you know, my equivalent of the note cards on the wall, right? Uh, um, sure, was really uh, was really helpful. Was strengthening because it meant it, when it kept working, when it kept being strong enough to stand up to all of the stuff that I needed to needed it to do, it was like, oh, this is a relief. This is good. This this means hmm. that fundamentally there's a book here still. Like even when I was messing up, it's like fundamentally, if I can go back to the no remember what you're doing, remember what each of these things, this structure works, this process arc in the book that goes traces alcohol being made from Mm -hmm. starting with yeast and then and going all the way through to hangovers Mm -hmm. you know going how it's made and then pivoting on when you take a sip of it talking about the effects on the body and the brain um was really solid Mm -hmm. you know and uh um and it did and it and it built on itself in a way that later chapters could do stuff that the early chapters didn't have to and and Mm -hmm. couldn't have so um that's I smart I don't yeah. know I'm, I say that, but now i uh, but I also know that the first chapter is full of you know biochemistry and full of some pretty kind of big concepts too, so I don't know
1: it is but I don't know it's funny. I thought I would be scared off by that
0: I, I mean I used every science writing tactic and trick that anybody ever taught me right to try sure. to get that stuff get that stuff in there, and some stuff some tricks from fiction that I tried to pick up too, so all the metaphor work mm-hmm. right? and, and 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 doing metaphor is not. Not as the explanation, but after the explanation. Mm-hmm. So explaining the science and then saying, "Here's what it's like. It's like this," because otherwise the metaphor gets in the way of explaining it. Like
1: that's that yeah. that's hard-fought knowledge. You know, that's <laughs> like that took me 20 years to figure out. Yeah, um, and or, it's a, the book is a great lesson. And I mean, for as a writer, that is the thing that I took from it is like this is a structure that you can use to explain anything from science to emotion to you know yeah. It's concept. a big. It's a big exposition dump in some yeah. respects, right? But and it so it feels
0: like it. And because, like, so, all right, we're gonna do. There's. It's full of flashbacks. It's full of stories. And mm-hmm. there's. There's. You know. The, it's like. And that's when. And then here comes Louis Pasteur, right? right. And you've heard of him. Well, check this out. <laughs> and then, like, you know, and or here, you know, and here's or here's, you know, welcome to this pastoral place that has a terrible flood and there's a mm-hmm. disaster. What are they gonna do? Right. Like all or these. here's things. the interesting personality who's running this place or discovered yeah. this and, thing. And that always had to be the the. Um, the vehicle through which Mm -hmm. to tell any of the stories you had to, I had to have people doing something and that, that, I mean, that's a fiction lesson too. It's a person doing something hard against increasingly difficult odds. Right. And then either failing or succeeding at a critical moment. Right. And so there's all these stories that arc that way and then resolve and arc that way and then resolve and then intercut with exposition with, with just, with science beats. The thing that I was was trying to keep in mind, um, you know, Neil Stevenson's broke cycle, the, um, so he wrote, uh, most famously, still probably, A Snow Crash. But he, yeah. you know, he, but he wrote uh, but, um, Quicksilver and System of the World and The Confusion. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 and then they're sort of, Cryptonomicon is kind of a, a kind of a sequel to them also. So okay. it's four 2,000-page books. I mean, they're enormous. And they're basically about the history of economics and cryptography in the West. I mean, uh-huh. there are these massive tomes on how we developed mod- the modern world. And um, that's really tough stuff. Right, and that's really complicated. And the way he gets you through it is the instant, the instant, the very instant it starts to get even the least bit boring, there's either sex or violence. <laughs> there's a sword fighter, or a naked person. Right. Um, I guess you'd call it the Game of Thrones approach now. <laughs> with. Uh, and and so, um, and they work. They're they're brilliant. They're just mm-hmm. great. And I was really thinking like, okay, how far can I start talking about you know alcohol dehydrogenase one versus alcohol dehydrogenase <laughs> two before I have to get a joke in or a person or something mm-hmm. like? like that's you know, and that just happens again and again and again. And sometimes, I you know whether it works or not is up. Th- that proof is left as an exercise for the student, I suppose. A re- you know, a reader decides that. But that was what I was thinking
1: about it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to to make work. Well, what you also do, which I've I've you know, I think I remember this in like is his name uh, the the dinosaur writer Gould Stephen J Gould Stephen Gould Yeah oh. yeah Stephen J Gould I remember getting this from his books. That even you know, the microbe is a character. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah guy totally. Has an arc,
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the 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 subject yeah. right becomes the, the,
1: becomes the object in a way, right? Like the, that becomes a character. Is doing something. Is having there's yeah. there's some action there, um, and there's an emotion there. There's there's a journey that's going to happen, and whether we're putting emotion on it or it's there because of the momentum of the storytelling.
0: Yeah, but this is you're invested. It's a tricky thing about science writing, though, too, because then you, you end up falling into it, it becomes possible to fall into a trap of telling just so stories where sure. you're doing something that's, that's um, anti scientific, mm-hmm. right? Where you're, you're telling a story where, like, you tell a story that involves evolution and you ascribe desire to evolution right. or a direction to evolution, for example. and um, And we get into let's say frank and open conversations in my office about that sometimes where we're like, look, evolution's not a vector. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a direction. There's no up or down in evolution. It just happens in response to changes in the environment. So, you know, you can't, so you don't want to make evolution the character because then if you do, evolution has to want something right. Evolution has to have a desire that's being vexed in some way that it has to get around. And you go like, well, now you're telling a story that is not the right story to tell because it's, it's not true.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, well, I guess it's then that, that fungus is uh, being there, right? It's that character. Oh, well, so, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> right? he's actually. going through, and you're invested in the journey. And what I, uh, another of the things that was in my head was Forrest Gump.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Because it's like... A modern c- c- being there. A modern, sure. <laughs> that's giving Forrest <laughs> that's Gump that's quite funny. a lot of credit. Um, um, absolutely. Uh, b- because I was like, okay, Booze is present at all of these significant moments. Mm-hmm. I will tell you about the significant moments through the lens of what Booze was doing there. Hmm. Right. And that was a, you know, so I can get, so I can get to the,
1: I can get to the moments by saying that you recognize you as a human who lives in the world. Recognize. Yeah, exactly. That's very interesting. That implies, um, that, and, and I would assume, and we may have actually talked about this last time, that there was a lot of thought about who the audience for this book (sighs) is or would be. Oh, yes. I did think about it a lot.
0: I started to think about constituencies, um, so, you know, in politics, right? Mm-hmm. Your constituencies are the people you represent. And I was trying to figure... Because I thought uh, I have a lot of constituencies. I have a lot of people who I am trying to accurately reflect and represent. And people who I w- would like to to like this book. To appreciate it. And to mm-hmm. think that they were accurately represented uh, in in some important way. So, some of those were the people who make booze right i was hoping that like <laughs> brewers and winemakers and distillers and people who make rum and people who make tequila and all would be able to read it and go oh yeah 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 that, yeah. no he got that right mm-hmm. so i know that there are a couple of places i've had enough conversation now that i know there are a couple of places where i made small mistakes mm-hmm. but i but in general people have said like yeah no this is even i didn't know some of this everything yeah this is why we do that which is good because i was worried about that um i thought about the people who write about booze and cocktails, which mm-hmm. there are a lot, And I thought, wow, and the sort of the the influential bartenders, you know, who I who I had read and taken a lot of, um, uh, 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 uh who who had really influenced me, mm-hmm. um, thought, well, are they going to feel like I'm saying stuff that rings true to them, or that they're going to be surprised by and think rings true. Scientists, the people who are doing the work. You wanted, I wanted it to be right. I wanted to be accurately saying this is the state of the science. This is how they're doing. This is what these people are like, and this is the kind of work that they're doing. Um, and and science writers too. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted. To, I I was very conscious that I, I was trying to join a club. You know, people who wrote who write nonfiction science in in books. You know, I I've been in magazines for my whole career, but I, but this was new. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was really, you know, so I had a lot of voices um, in my head of like, this is the kind of stuff that I think will work here this is what will be appealing this will make sense when i say it you know th- this is this is right that wasn't right this is right i can back this up um you know the note is extensively the book is extensively footnoted and bibliographied for some of the, for that reason to to bolster it you know to sure. say like no this is this is the real stuff mm-hmm. um and i uh you know i had a couple of of writers in my head whom i've gotten to meet and talk to about their process too and I could never do either of what I could never do what either of them do. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I was thinking of this kind of, um, the spectrum's not quite right, but a, a line at least between David Quammen and Mary Roach. We're mm-hmm. both great science writers. David writes big, serious, interesting books. He goes out with, you know, he go with researchers for six months to distant islands and look for animals who nobody's ever seen before. And, and he dives way, way into the literature and really understands the stuff, you know, comes close to getting his own PhD in it. Um, uh, very circumspect considered serious stuff. Um amazing books. Like when when a Guaman book comes out, you're like, okay, like this field is now getting solved. You know? And Mary also deceptively, you know, deceptively complicated, but writes in a super conversational, come along with me on this journey, mm-hmm. um, which will be fun, and I will note funny things that happen along the way. And when you when we get to the other side, you will actually know kind of a lot of science even though you might not have even noticed me putting the stiletto in, you know, (laughs) um, and very fun. And she's a very, she's, she's, you know, she sort of plays a character in the, in the, in the book Mm -hmm. of like, I don't know anything about science, but uh, let's go check this out, which isn't, she's not like that at all. Right. Right. But that's sort of the, her character in the book. And she's in the books very much. It's like, we got to do this amazing thing, you know? And so whenever I got to a, problem I had to solve in the book right like how do I want to do this I would I really would think like well what would Kwaman do and what would what would Roach do like how would they do it interesting and cuz I would never be able to do it the way they did it sure but just to try to find some yeah, absolutely. um
1: some calibration and this is a great writing trick I mean yeah. you're you're stealing without stealing
0: yes well so I, and I it was it's and here's where the actual theft is the actual <laughs> theft is from the line in the David Mamet movie Heist mm-hmm. uh, with Gene Hackman mm-hmm. where they ask him how do you come up with such amazingly complicated jobs? And he says, I try, to imagine, I try to imagine a smarter man and ask myself what he would do. I think that's the line. It's close to that. Yeah. And it's that thing. It's like, well, what would a good writer do? All right, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know? Like, if I
1: were a good writer, this is how I would try to do it. So I'm going to try to do that, like a, like a good writer might. Uh, it, it's funny hearing that described, and I think we did talk about that before. But the the character that is you that comes across in this book which is I mean it's certainly not the Mary Roach Um, and it's not the it's not super academic either right Um, it feels like I'm being led by an inquisitive guide and he doesn't show up that often no I try not to
0: have him show up definitely I tried not to have him show up at all
1: well and and that's the thing it's you know I don't think I know you any better having read the book I know what your interests are though yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think that's what's interesting. It's This guide is, has the same questions I have, and I think that's a strong way to lead someone through a That, that is what is – that's
0: what's supposed to happen. I mean, again, like I, I'm – it's weird because I'm being sort of theoretical because I don't know if this was completely successful, but mm. I do this. This is certainly uh, – this is how we do the front of book at, at Wired, right? Mm. The, the little 200-word, 300-word items in the beginning of the magazine at, at Wired is every one – every sentence – If we're doing it right, contains an implicit question. It makes the you're forcing like you force a card in a card trick. You're forcing a question into the reader's mind Mm -hmm. that then the next sentence answers, and so you you, it it has the effect when it when when done right it has the effect of pulling the reader into the story because you you get this thing of like but that would mean. Oh yeah. Right. Like as you're reading it, like, Absolutely. Oh, I see. No, but wouldn't that, Oh no, that's a good, right. That's, that that's what that would mean. And sometimes yeah. it really, sometimes it's natural. That question naturally does mm-hmm. arise. And sometimes I'm doing something is basically saying like, now, if that's true, then you have to ask yourself, right. which is me basically saying like, okay, reader, I need you now to ask this question because right. here comes an interesting answer. Right. right. Um, so yeah, those questions are, are supposed to come up, and they do. I think, you know, when when somebody who who knows me has read it and says it's like sitting and having a drink with you, I think that's what that, I think that's what that is. I think. So. I also don't always think it's a compliment.
1: <laughs> I think in your case, but I don't. I don't always think. It's a I think it is definitely a compliment. <laughs> I mean, it is. Like I say, it is the guy asking the questions that you want to ask, yep. and and that is, that is in many ways a, a hallmark of good writing. I mean, that's how we can tell good writing from bad writing is when a sentence is not suggesting the next sentence or suggesting a question that leads to the next answer. I, I guess I would say here's how you
0: a, a good way to analyze that
1: mm-hmm.
0: thought is the converse certainly proves it, which is to say okay. if you're reading something and you go, well, wait a minute, and then you have that question and then it doesn't get answered, mm-hmm. or if you're watching a mystery show, <laughs> right, and you're watching yeah. some TV show and you're like, well, well wait a minute, you know, couldn't it have also been that? And they never touch on it, then, then you as the consumer of this thing go like, well, that was stupid.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, that didn't, there's a whole, there's, that's an obvious question. It didn't answer, even if the, maybe right. the question's not obvious or to, whatever. Like, um, if you feel that at all, then that's, that's a failure of the writing. So if there's places, of course I say that, but then there's a, there, you know, the, my book is obviously not complete. There's plenty of stuff I didn't talk about, right. That, that somebody could very easily I, one 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 person I was talking to said, did say he said you didn't talk about ice. I, I said that is true <laughs> on purpose because ice is really hard and I couldn't figure out where to put it. <laughs> so what I told myself was that's cocktails, and I'm not talking about cocktails. <laughs> you really justified not talking about I ice. Have, it was it is a pathetic and sad rationalization for an omission in the book.
1: Ebook. It'll be an <laughs> ebook. <laughs> An addendum on ice. <laughs> but that is, I mean, that's another part of the process, right? Is that culling? Is you wind up with all of this information and you're asking questions that are leading to more questions, that are leading to answers and more questions. Yeah. That, you know, at a certain point, again, despite having this outline, you have to say, what belongs in this book? Well, and some of that is, is necessitated by...
0: Uh, circumstance, the deadline's coming. Sure, you know you got to type. There's no, you, you know, at a certain point, like I got to finish this, and so I can't go look into that. There are places that I wish that I had done more, like anything else. There are places I wish sure. I had done more. Um, and I, and I, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, the when, when you, um, when you, for me, when I'm just starting uh, research, there's a, it can be a great feeling of. Think about it like when they when they found King Tut's tomb, right? And they thought they had this little antechamber with nothing in it, and then they kind of tap <laughs> through the back wall and the little hole opens, and it turns out like, holy crap, <laughs> there's a whole like there's a whole thing, you know, like and it and it happens in, in research. It happens to me all the time and it can be very exciting where you, you pick up like you see one little ref side reference right. and it's something that you read and then you find a book about it and you're like, this is fascinating. And then you look more into it, and it turns out like there's whole libraries.
1: Yeah. Like
0: this is th- there's not just one book, this is a canon. <laughs> You know, that you just tumbled into. And that can be at the beginning of a research process. Very exciting Mm because it can turn out that like, oh, holy crap, there's a lot to write about here. This is great. There's so many people doing the work. But then, like, you know, if you tumble into one of those three quarters of the way through writing a book and it turns out that like uh, not only is someone working on this everybody's working on that you kind of like mm. oh crap i just don't have time to go learn this yeah like i just don't I, c- I can't i can't you know i want the book to come out someday like i just i have to figure out a way to process this more quickly than i than i would want to yeah. and I, I you know I f- whatever you feel guilty about it. i feel guilty about some of that stuff
1: <laughs> i'm sorry yeah but but it, that has to be the case and you know this stuff has to be about omission in large part and it's not a thousand page book It's like 200 page book you know yeah. um I want to go back to one of the very first things you said here today, which was one of the challenges or one of the tough parts of approaching a book is actually sitting down and writing and typing. How do you do it? How do you get yourself to
0: do it? Um I did find a lot of those things that like what do i what conditions what are the minimum conditions I need so that I will type? Mm-hmm. there was a lot I have a lot of spinning up time too, like I'll sit down. And I'll be like, oh, I'm going to screw around on Twitter and I'm going to look at, oh, look at YouTube video. and Oh, I'm going to, oh, I, I do have to answer that email actually now that I think about it. And like, you know, it would, and some days I could sit down and it would be 15 minutes of spin up and some days it would be two hours of spin up, mm-hmm. which is sucks. Stupid. You feel like a schmuck, you know. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I had a very particular uh, mu- music playlist. Kind what of music on I the music to playlist uh all like instrumental techno edm <laughs> stuff because <laughs> i would only, i would rather write silent in silence mm-hmm. but um if i was in a coffee shop or if there are other people around or whatever then i would put on headphones and listen to music but if the music has any lyrics then i can't write yeah, that's all you hear yeah yeah so no lyrics and then like jazz or classical the rhythms weren't -hmm. Right, so it ended up being. Don't drive you. Yeah, exactly. So my joke about it became, "Oh, I need music that sounds like it was written by computers for computers,"
1: (laughs) which Um, absolutely makes sense.
0: The uh, the 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 remixed Tron Legacy soundtrack turned out to be really good. (laughs) That's the one. The the I'm going to download that. (laughs) uh, It turned out to be really that uh, got me through a lot of chapters, and and um, and there really were a lot of. uh, I would. uh, I rented a desk in a shared office space that was above. The coffee shop that I was doing most of the writing in, anyway, but closed closed too early. Uh-huh. And, and I am a nighttime writer.
1: Right. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit um, when you were last on the podcast about how like you're doing this on top of having a full time job at the magazine, right. on top of having a family. Yeah, the family bore a lot yeah. of that brunt. I mean, she was
0: my wife says she was a book widow for a year, and it's true. And when I got the contract, I said. This is a process that will make you angry at me, but we're going to do it anyway. And let's just both know that because I'm going to go do this. Mm -hmm. And we both, you know, we did. Um, But it meant that like weekends would be like sort of get up late, do things in the morning with the family, and then long about anywhere between 11 and 1, whenever I could get myself going, Mm -hmm. be like, I'll see you later. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes later was soon, and sometimes later was later, and sometimes later was me coming home just bereft because I had eight hours and two hundred words. Yeah, and sometimes later was me completely manic because I'd had six hours and three thousand words. Yes. I was like, "This is the best thing ever. The book's gonna be so great. I think I really got this one. I think I really... you know." Just like, "I oh, a vault." Really? Um, I don't know which of those is worse.
1: Like, no. they're both terrible. Well, there is that thing. of, you know, the ramp up to it is such a part of the process. Um, and it, it's you know it comes up on these podcasts all the time. And if you are only getting you know if you have a two hour ramp up and you're taking that time away from your family yeah, so it feels guilty. terrible yeah, and it that doesn't make it easier to work nope uh right, and you're you still have there. to be in an emotional space too um yeah,
0: and the uh, you know I'm sitting there trying to find the the right you know i'm like oh, i re- I guess I really do need to watch the opening credits of season two of Airwolf again. <laughs> which is like manifestly a waste of time. Exactly. But also a necessary waste of time to be able to, or, you know, or like, Oh, I, you know, I want to write that one sentence, but, but figuring out what to put in it, that one fact is going to take me an hour and a half of aimless, you know, Google searching or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff is part of the process and important, but also makes you feel like you're not really engaging in the process while Mm -hmm. you're doing it. And I, and I would sit there, there were days when I would get there and I would park my car and sit in the car for like, ten, like not ten minutes. It wasn't a long time, but just completely like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how. Um, but that so that you know what what get what gets me out of the car, I guess, is the deadline. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. well, you got to write it. I mean, they gave you money, and you told them you'd have it by a day, and that day is coming. Did I? I don't. I, don't, I think I told you this story offline but i'll tell you again because it's being recorded now um probably maybe (laughs) (laughs) fingers crossed i don't remember which chapter i don't remember which month this was but it was it was like the 10th of the month where the book was due on the 30th of that month Mm -hmm. and i had a call with clive thompson who is a brilliant writer writes for wired he's a columnist i edit his column at wired and i edit his features and he um he has a book called smarter than you think. That's about how the internet changes the way people think and act really, really smart guy. And I've known for a long time and he was like, like nine months ahead of me. So his book I think was just out when we were having this conversation and he said, where are you? And I said, "Uh, I got about a chapter and a half to write plus the conclusion. But I know what the, I know what's in them. And the last half of this chapter, I I know I structured out is fine. And, Mm -hmm. and the conclusion, I basically know what's going to be in it. The last chapter is a little tricky, but it's the hangover one. And so I sort of know how it's going to work. And it's Mm -hmm. a fun one. And he said, okay, so that's what, like 20,000 words. And I said, yeah, it's like 20,000 words. And he said, when's it, when's it due? And I said, you know, the 30th, end of the month. He said, so 20 days. And I said, yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. He said, so 20 days and you have 20,000 words. I said, yeah, no, I guess that's right. And he said, let me say that to you again. You have 20 days to write 20,000 words. And I said, Clive, I got to (laughs) go. I hung up the phone. I went into my boss's office and I said, so I'm fucked and I got to go. So I'm going to hand off some work and uh,
1: I'll see you in a couple of weeks because I got to go. And And what were you able to drill down? Like that's the time. You got to do it. You know, it was actually great because
0: it was the first time when I and this was stupid because I should have been doing this all along and mm-hmm. I kind of was I budgeted the time and the whatever but the whatever and you can exactly. and so the thing but now it was like you got to write 1000 words a day for the next 20 days and if you miss that mark you have to write that much more <laughs> the next day so yeah only wrote four, only wrote 500 words today okay you got to write 1500 tomorrow or you wrote 2000 words today that's good yeah you can breathe a little bit so if I finally it was really crystallizing. Yeah. Now it this was very tangible at that yeah. point. Um, now this was, you know, then I wrote stuff that then like didn't work. Obviously, like this was the first. Right. I think that was the first draft. And it, yeah, but but still, it was like, okay, well, now I get it. Now I get. I, now I have a job. Now it's a job. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, well, and it gets. It's the, the other bargaining was about booze too, mm-hmm. because I couldn't write at all if I did anything to drink.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Just nothing. Like three sips, and I'd be like, I'm done for the day gonna knock off I think so I couldn't
1: that's hilarious
0: I was like well okay so I'll have I have that bottle of whiskey I really like so I'll have a glass of that when I get home if I finish
1: yes it's a reward system Um, that's funny to hear though I mean so much of especially the the one chapter is sensory right yeah how do you not take a sip and then say here is what is going on emotionally In the sensory way, and then here's the science of it. I, I separated that out like, like any reporting. Mm-hmm. You know, like,
0: that that just became sort of... People have been teasing me a lot about, like, wow, the research must have been a lot of fun. And you're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I get it, because of the drinking. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, like, you know, um, there were actual case, There were actual instances of, I am drinking here as research for... That's what this feels like. I wanted to have a lot of descriptions... Uh, very, I wanted really visceral descriptions of smell and taste because um, it's one of the things that only print can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, other media can't. Hmm. Um, you know, TV, they can yeah, sort of say, like, it smells like pine in here, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work the same way as when you, when you see it in print. And, mm-hmm. and I can describe how something smells and tastes and try to find words that will evoke, will be evocative yeah. for
1: a reader. So I, I tried to do a lot of that because um, you, you, you get to when you're writing Absolutely. about food and drink it's a,
0: it's a nice bonus.
1: Yeah, I mean that that kind of writing is all through the book and that's that's what I really admired in it is you know we're so in it. We're so it's so evocative. Uh, Whether it's the flooded basement or, you know, the taking a sip of this thing. It was was really well done. Those Uh, are like, those are reader rewards, too. It's like, okay, reader, now you get to take a drink. (laughs) At least metaphorically. Well, I think I tweeted this, and I don't know if you saw, but I was reading, it was the, not even the chapter, it was just a section on bubbles. Yeah. (laughs) And I had a beer. Yeah. And all I could think about <laughs> was every single sip of this beer and what was going on in it and what had happened. And See, it, I, I mean, it was fascinating. I love that. I don't know if it makes it
0: better. If it, I don't know if that improves or screws up somebody else's drinking experience. It makes it,
1: it improves mine. But well, I, by the time you finish the beer, you forget about and it. And then you anyway. like, <laughs> by the second beer, you're not thinking of anything. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk about, you know, we have discussed, and I think, you know, you mentioned this Offline, but you also mentioned this, I think the last time we talked about the hangover chapter, yeah um, and how it really was meant to be a bit of a reward and a bit of mm-hmm. something to rope, it, rope people in because it's it 's fun and it 's interesting and you know it 's very relatable, but what I would really want to talk about was the introductory chapter, yeah, which for me as a reader, i mean like one obviously i 'm a bit of a process nerd, sure, and two, you know i I'm hooked when someone is passionate about something. And that chapter was actually very emotional to read. Yes. Because it was clearly you explaining why you care about this subject, why you're approaching it in this way. And then there's obviously the great story, the through line of, of going to the bar in New York. Yeah. Um, it, can you talk about that, writing, just writing that introductory chapter? The introduction had to do um, two... And
0: three jobs, but they're all related. It had to make the case for the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe that's the overarching thing actually is the introduction had to make the case. The introductory chapter had, had to be the place where, where I was going to be like, okay, look, <laughs> you're going to like this. It's going to be fine. <laughs> right. Like it's not going to be too hard. There's going to be cool stuff. The re- you're going to enjoy the style. The style's going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. come, come along. Right. So since it had to be a come with me, it sort of had to open with going into the sorcerer's workshop. Right. Yeah. You have this secret, like you cross a threshold into a secret world. The opening of the book is literally you cross a threshold <laughs> into a secret world. Right? Oh boy. So had to do that. Okay. And I had that secret world. I had it. You know, I went to go see this place. I'd always wanted to go mm-hmm. see And where, remind me what the It's name Dave it Arnold is. who mm-hmm. is who opened a bar called Booker and Dax yeah. in, in New York. And he he's a Kind of an inventor and a tinkerer, and he he messes around with a lot of different kinds of machinery, a lot of different food science. Um, he's worked with like Wiley Dufresne, who's one mm-hmm. of the molecular like, gastronomy pioneer chefs in New York. And this bar is a full-on science experiment. That if you that you don't ever have to perceive it that way in the bar. The bar doesn't feel like that, except in a couple of interesting ways I mean, um, where you see their their carbon dioxide line <laughs> or stuff like that. But but really, it just feels like a nice bar. But if you know what he's doing, it's that much more interesting. Okay, so it, so you. Come with me to this secret world. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it also has to be, you know, come with me. Right. Mm -hmm. I had to make the case that I was the right guide. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of heartstring tugging in it. It's all true, but it's all like, here's why I care about this. Mm -hmm. I have an emotional connection to this subject and I'm a science writer. So the way I deal with my emotional connections with things to which I am emotionally connected is try to understand them. Right, so there's so my dad is in it, and my mom is in it, and and my so my personal history um, is in it, and then there's the actual case. Alcohol is a hologram for our experience of the natural world. Civilization begins with distillation. This is the most important stuff. The moment, and then this this intentionally hyperbolic thesis. The moment that you sit down in a bar, the perfect bar moment. You sit down in a bar, you order a drink. The bartender puts down a napkin, puts the drink in front of you, you. Pick it up. You take a sip. The universe revolves around that moment. Hmm. That, and that's the pivot that's the exact middle that's the the metaphoric exact middle of the book so that, that's all that stuff has to happen in that first chapter yeah. to to make it that's my cold open right that's the like yeah. come in this is it this is the world we're about to do and I'm the right guy to, to be there with you mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be there in quiet ways I'm not gonna mm-hmm. this, the book isn't about me and it's not about my drinking
1: right you know it's about the science of booze with me and we're gonna go do this yeah yeah, I mean, but there is a way for that to be calculating and there's a way for that to be honest. And and they can be the same they can be both. Yeah. But it again, it was a very emotional reading experience and maybe because I know you, but maybe not because I think you you did have to get honest on the page, yes. which is very hard to do. That is and, and and especially because what's coming up is um
0: not uh it's not e- easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's I tried to make it easy, but it's it's you know it's complicated science sure. that we're in. It's gonna still talk about. science, yeah. Um, and, and so you know, it had it was a, like establishing trust, right? Yeah. I'll give you a little bit. It's a, this is an interviewing tactic too. Yeah. You know, if you're interviewing somebody, one of the a, a thing to do is like let me. I'll tell you about myself too. Mm-hmm. Like we'll do this quid pro quo, Clarice. You know. <laughs> um, Maybe that's not best. I probably shouldn't actually. Let me start again. <laughs> um, okay. But you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do something. Yeah. I'll say, well, I'll tell you about my dad. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about my mom. I'll tell you about my mom at Mousson and Frank, an important you know, a, an important a place that's important to me, a person who's important to me, a moment that was important to me. Mm-hmm. Like this is what this book is. You know, comes out of that. Yeah. Um. So, you know. It was both calculated and honest, I suppose. I felt like it had to do that. Otherwise, it's like, well, why, you know, why do you ever want to read anything when you sit down? How do you, What
1: what is the first oh, absolutely. line make you want to read it? From? Yeah. Um, were there, were there sections or chapters or even, you know, reporting uh, aspects that were easier than you anticipated or that were more interesting than anticipated or that like you would get carried away down one of these? Well, the... All of the Tangents. the sake stuff, the history of sake became I I got
0: super compelled by this mm. by the story of this guy, Chokichi yeah, um, Takamine, who um, was one of the one of the first people who tried to commercialize um traditional Japanese technologies in the late eighteen hundreds and tried to bring over the process that they used to to convert the the starch and rice into sugar so that they can ferment it into sake to bring that to the US and mm-hmm. use it to to make scotch whiskey to make whiskey mm-hmm. um and he, he he tries and and ultimately fails but then goes on and has this really interesting life and i got uh, so there's a, a woman or a biographer of his who's in my college named joan bennett and she'd done a lot of the research and i found her work and mm-hmm. and followed her followed that rabbit hole followed that trail to other sources on on takamine and got really into this story deep deep into this i'm <laughs> like this is fantastic and i i i, I strongly suspect though i have I've told it in presentations on the book and to other people, I have a feeling I may be that Joan Bennett and I may be the only people who care about this story, but I I love the story.
1: Reading that, I was thinking like there is a television series here. Like this is fascinating. His, his whole life. Yeah. It's a a crazy life. It's just really interesting. He he
0: marries, he, he comes to, comes to the, this world's fair in new Orleans Mm and, and his landlord is this ex union lieutenant, um, from, from the civil war. And he falls in love with his, the lieutenant's teenage daughter and so he marries her and they go back to japan and they have a weird life there and he starts all these companies and eventually discovers or at least patents the discovery for the structure of adrenaline and gets rich for that i mean it's just he's got this amazing life <laughs> it's
1: fascinating. Um, and, and it's also i mean that story like a lot of them in the book which deal with history also feel very relevant and contemporary like we get this guy yeah I was worried about the history because I kind of promised at the beginning that i wouldn't do,
0: i said i'm not going to do any history mm-hmm. it was all sci- all modern contemporary science and then I got so into the history that I, I just like no i 'm going to do it plus no. i I also think that that you can teach a lot of science using history exactly. because you can say, you can get to a place in the past where you say, so here's what they didn't know. Right. And so they set out to try to figure it out and that's how they learn biochemistry. Right. Here's the discovery
1: process. Yeah, exactly. Now you've just gone through it. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's very smart. Was there, were there sections that were more challenging than you had anticipated? Um, smell and taste I mentioned was mm-hmm. turned out to be really challenging, even
0: though that was, it's a subject that I've been interested in for years precisely because it's challenging. I mean, because it's an interesting, it's interesting science. Um, uh, so, but that it turned out to be tough to to, um, to to get to the right material that was right for the book. Yeah. Um, sugar turned out to be tough. The second chapter because of a specific moment where I and this is this is really what happened. I was writing and I was I was writing this paragraph. I was like, well, look, you know, you need simple sugar, yeast. You need simple sugar, not complex polysaccharides. Big sugars or starch. You know, yeast need like glucose, sucrose, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and, and so you want, what you really want is you, as a sugar source, you want something that has a lot of that. So you could use honey maybe, but you want something that's easily accessible and that has a lot of interesting flavors and that you, and that is, is, uh, you can manipulate in, if you're doing the agronomy on it, if you're, the, if you're growing it, you can manipulate and grow a lot of different sp- strains of, so that it has different, uh, different examples of it. You know, what you really want here is a grape, right? And then I started typing the sense, so grapes and then it was like, ah, oh, crap! I don't know anything about grapes. <laughs> what? How do you get to that? I don't, I don't know. know. It was that's really stupid. Hilarious. So I was like, well, that's a week of reporting. Like, yep. See you later. Book draft. I've got to go. Think
1: that would have been one of
0: the earlier trips. It was stupid. <laughs> I, I can't. Right. I can't. T- I can't say anything other than it was stupid. That it was, was really great. It was because I think because in my head I sort of. Was I was focusing a lot on distilled spirits, on mm-hmm. on whiskey yeah. and stuff like that, and so I hadn't come. I kind of hadn't circled back around to wine, you know. And and so I went off and like called a lot of people and researchers who work on grapes and like you know tried to go see some one of the big R and D labs at at one of the big Napa wineries. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Yeah, you seem like a nice guy, but no, that's all secret. You can't come here." Um, but but you know it was. It was stupid, but it was te- – like, I really I, – I typed half the sentence and realized I didn't know what the second half of the sentence was. So,
1: Grapes something,
0: Grapes, probably. TK, TK, TK.
1: <laughs> well, there was – it's funny. I mean, in the way you describe the preceding paragraph is almost how exactly how it is in the book. Yeah. And I remember – I like, I actually highlighted that section <laughs> because it's one of those great instances of, like, you are holding my hand through this – Everything is absolutely making sense. Yes, you need these these kinds of sugars. You need these manipulable So grapes, <laughs> but right? So and I like did it. It's a I, great aha, and to not. Know but I did it to myself. Next. Exactly. I did it. I, That's I amazing. It
0: worked on me. Like <laughs> I my love own it. trick was like. So I was like, I led myself to grapes, exactly. and then like, and then the and then the the book asked the question like, well, what would you like to say about <laughs> grapes? And I kind of went, I. <laughs> Okay, so just hang on one second. Just to hear
1: a here book. Wait, we were there. <laughs> Amazing. appearing in an atom-shaped cloud of <laughs> smoke. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to get a little bit uh, uh, meta here hmm. and talk about you've written a book. Yes. And, uh, like, selling a book because this is ostensibly about the process and business of writing yeah. uh, this podcast. What happens? you know we you have a publicist the the publisher is behind the book, which mm-hmm. is really cool. like they want you to go out and do interviews like this one yeah um, How does that all start to How do those conversations take place, and what kind of a hand do you have, and what does the publisher expect i guess um there are There are certain traditional things that they do,
0: and now, because the publishing business, like all media businesses, is in some turmoil, they're not sure if there' are things that still work, but they're they're mm-hmm. the only things that they know how to do. Um, the the people who I've worked with at, at the publisher at Houghton Mifflin Harcourt have been really cool and as you say, they've been supportive um, you know, I said as we started to talk about it with the folks at the publisher and also with my agent, um, I said listen, no bookstores hmm. no readings, no bookstores bars, send me to bars let me have tastings get sponsorship from alcohol companies, I don't care right. I can give. I can say 10 interesting minutes on anything that comes in a bottle I know hmm. how to do it now. And they said, okay, that'd be great. And that sort of hasn't worked out. We haven't done that. Um, because they're not built for it? Yeah, well, par- I mean, partially because they sort of didn't buy it, I think. Mm-hmm. And partially because events are not a great way to sell books maybe anymore. That's, I think, up in the air. Mm-hmm. At least, I mean, maybe I haven't done it. Maybe my events I haven't I wonder. Um Also, just the infrastructure for selling books at a bar isn't sure. really there. And I'm like, well, can't you just give somebody a square reader and a stack of books? Like, well, not really, it turns out. Right. For a bunch of complicated and and legacy reasons. Um, and then it was like, Well, are we gonna go to a lot of cities? It's like, Well, what do you get from that? Mm -hmm. Because remember, the goal here is to sell books. Adam. Not just for you to (laughs) go visit
1: your friends. (laughs) Visit your friends.
0: Um, though I have gotten to do that, which is really nice. So they were like, Well, you'll come to we'll do New York. We'll do San Francisco, because that's where you are. Easy. And we'll do New York, because we understand that. And I said, you have to send me to D.C. And they said, why? I said, first of all, nobody drinks harder than Washington, D.C. You have to trust me. And I can get media there. Mm-hmm. Like I, My friends in D.C. are people in the media, so we'll be able to do stuff that will be worth, worth the time. Right. And they said, okay. So went to D.C. I said, L.A. They said, how come? I said, I know people there, and we can do stuff there. And my family's there, so it's an easy trip. Right. You know, so it's not complicated. Um, and then, we, you know, as we've talked about other cities and as people, people in other cities, my friends in other cities said, are you going to come to Boston or are you to come to Portland? And we've gone back and forth and, and it's still not totally resolved. It's like, well, was there media interest in those cities? Does it, do you get, what do you get from going versus doing remote? Because you can go on the radio in those cities from any radio studio. Right. Right. Um, And then, and you're still getting the, the impact. So the, and the radio stuff that I have done seems to have had an impact on numbers where, for example, like maybe TV didn't, it's hard for me to tell, and I don't have all, all the data, but like, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I have allowed myself the vice of compulsively looking at my Amazon number (laughs) and, uh, without, I have no guilt about it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. (laughs) I am. I'm going to do that. Uh, and so I, the, the the radio show marketplace mm-hmm. did an interview with me, and that seemed to move that number.
1: Sure, but well, I, but that's a national program. Oh, well, sure, but I mean, that's like doing Hard Spot Tap.
0: Yes, podcasts.
1: you know that has a huge reach.
0: <laughs> but I was on um, CBS this morning, right in New York, and and they were great. But I don't I don't think that moved that number. Interesting. Um, and so then you then you have all the kind of the media version of just those stories. Say, well, TV mm-hmm. TV audiences aren't book, aren't book buying audiences. Right. You know, really based on this really because it seems like a lot of people watch that show and uh, some of them uh, (laughs) no maybe not right Um, so radio seems to be good they like they like radio it's interesting Um, the the book publicists talk about they really like you know getting on Colbert or John Stewart for, you know because that those are book buying audiences that for are also sure. really activated buying that's the new Oprah's book club i guess <laughs> um the, you know and also uh it's new it's a new experience for me because i uh, i i've been a journalist for 20 years and so to be the object instead of the journalist yeah. is really is new um and i have look i got plenty of ego like people want to ask me about myself i can talk about myself obviously as we've seen but um but it is, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting being on the other side of, of <clears throat> a specific set of questions that I know what, like, okay, I see what we're doing,
1: hmm. you know, because I would do it too. <laughs> so fine. What are those questions? Oh, just, you know, things like. Um, or I guess what's the, what's the point of view?
0: Well, you know, you sit down, I think about this as an editor and I go, okay, this book just came across the transom, science of alcohol. It's pretty fun. It's a crowd pleaser let's get a Q and a with the writer and you want to talk to him about where the book came from and, you know, make sure to get sort of the central idea, but also like, what does this guy drink? Like what's his drinking Mm -hmm. experience? Like, you know, you, you pivot, pivot the interview around like, okay, fine. We can talk about, we can talk about my (laughs) home bar. I'm willing to, I like talking about it. It's not what the book is, but you got to have something to say, you know, if you're the publication, um, and you're going to do more than just a little squib on, on the book. Um, so I totally I, I don't get it. then it's, uh, but it is interesting being on on the 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 receiving end, I guess.
1: Oh, of course, of course. Uh, all right, before we wrap up, what are you watching on television? What are you reading? What are you? Are there movies? Do people go to movies? <laughs> not, not, I.
0: I love Arrow, mm-hmm. which is I know sort of weird, but I like superhero stuff, and I think they do a really nice job.
1: They do. Um,
0: I watch. Many of the usual suspects, I watch Mad Men and Game of Thrones, though I'm increasingly not sure why. What am I supposed to be getting? Show. What am I supposed to be? What are you trying to tell me other than nobody is safe and people mm-hmm. and life is hard? But, I, but I'm still watching. Um, I just started watching Penny Dreadful. How do you like it? I'm willing to stick with it for a few. Yeah. See,
1: what, see what they're doing yeah um, it's pushing i feel like it's pushing the right buttons in me anyway uh and doing some interesting takes on things I've seen mm-hmm. before I have only um, watched a couple yeah me too
0: just wait, like okay well I'll see uh, you yeah. know you get your you, I'll, i'm I'm in for six let's I see what so happens funny. um let's see
1: i'm f- I'm forgetting a ton of stuff uh well it's a weird time so it's hard to yeah because a think. lot of louis, or are you watching are louis
0: i I've only watched a couple of episodes of louis I'm oh, not as if I
1: know that uh, like all everybody who comes on your show that's the one well they always forget to mention it because it's such a quiet show Mm. (laughs) despite how good it is um watch a couple okay what do you think i'd be curious okay yeah i i know i ought to (laughs)
0: uh um 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 you know uh so i watched justified because duh but um but also there's this show longmire have I talked to you about? I this? really like. We, I like Longmire. Have we? Ta- I don't think we have talked about. I mean, it. Maybe not. Maybe maybe just we just we parallel tracked <laughs> it. I think it's a good show. It is a good show. It's uh, really likable. Katie Sackhoff, thank mm-hmm. goodness. And um, I read one of the books. Oh really? Yeah. Is it good? No. I did not enjoy it. That's a bummer.
1: Um, Because the show has this great lived-in feel, like it's northern exposurey in a way. Yeah, Uh, I think that the book did not work for me because I had watched the show,
0: and the book is first person narrated. Oh, so it's him, it's Longmire's Walt narrating it, which is like, no, no, that's too far in his head. He should be a little bit uh, reticent. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole point of him is nobody can get into him because he's he's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. It's like, hmm no oh, cowboy really so I like that show except I do I, I having Lou Diamond Phillips playing Tonto is a little bit off for me I know. It's, it, it strikes the wrong note um, <laughs> it should have been Johnny Depp is what you're thinking. <laughs> that's exactly what I was not enough was my bird head dresses <laughs> this program um, but uh, okay so that that's I, and that's back on that's what it
1: reminded mm-hmm. me of so I'm, I'm watching that um, Fargo Are you watching Fargo I haven't should I watch Fargo oh it's great okay it, it does far. all the same things. Uh, I actually, I talked to uh, Noah Hawley about this in Austin last weekend and it, I said to him that he is doing for the Coens what uh, Graham Yost is doing for oh, Elmore Leonard. how interesting. Which is like all the great tropes that you love from that stuff without being slavish to it and without kind of the bad stuff of that. Huh. Uh, like doing the Coens better than the Coens for my money. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, mm. I love the show. All right. I'll- and it's, 10 episodes and done, which is amazing. That doesn't happen anymore. That's right. What am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting shows. Sesame Street. Still watching it.
0: You know, we, we picked up, um, the, uh, the, cause I have a, a eight year old and four year old. And so we've picked up the Diniverse Batman and justice league
1: nice. shows
0: again. So I'm watching them again. Uh, they're still great. Boy, really that's some are. great writing. The and
1: animated writing. Batman, the animated series. Yeah. yeah, And the Superman that they did. And then the yeah, Justice Superman League that they fun. did. It's all like, wow. That's this fun. Is... I love that they're into it.
0: Yeah. They, they are you more stuff. into it than they are? Probably,
1: but they watch it. They, they put up with me. They, <laughs> when they, tolerate, um, they tolerate that. Well, we won't even get into comics. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. We'll um, do it next time I'm in San Francisco or you're down here. Good. Uh, yeah, Adam, yeah. thank you for being here. Again, the book is Proof, The Science of Alcohol. Science of Booze. Science of (laughs) Booze. We're informal. It's very informal. Very informal. It's so welcoming to me, a regular person. (laughs) Oh, booze? I know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't reek of ism. (laughs) It reeks of (laughs) ethanol fumes, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the book is great, and congratulations. Thank Thank you very much. on the record. (laughs) Uh, Now
0: leaving (laughs) Nerdist.com